Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Laurie Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing people from all walks of life, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love first and foremost with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. I am really excited about today's podcast. Mimi Winsberg is a Stanford-trained psychiatrist with over 25 years of clinical experience, and she's the co-founder and chief medical officer of the telehealth startup Brightside, which I want to talk to you about, and has been the on-site psychiatrist at the Facebook Wellness Center, which I'm very intrigued about hearing about that too. You've appeared regularly on Good Morning America, and you've been featured in like tons of, of national and international magazines and and broadcasts and whatnot. And, and you have your BA in neuroscience from Harvard. Um, now, Speaking in Thumbs is your first book, and I read the entire thing. And I am actually going to send a copy of this to all of my clients. That's I want you to know that. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. That's music to my ears. Um, <laughs> makes me happy to hear that the book is uh, is spreading, uh, I don't know, joy, wisdom, humor, whatever, all of oh. you. Oh my gosh. It's incredible. And and it takes it takes the reader from online dating to courtship to relationships in the realm of texting and communication. So I really want people to read this. In fact, I just got off a coaching call with one of my clients. I get my clients on match.com and I and I'm happy to share my program with you. But um basically I'm looking at her messaging and I'm like, we gotta liven this up. We gotta be flirtier. We need to ask more questions. We need to dig a little bit. We need to get, we need to figure out people's love languages and we need to figure out their humor and whatnot. And that's what your book takes us through. And what I love about your book, aside from the seven page bibliography is um, the, I know I'm, I'm, I'm such an English major, is the, um, the way you keep the reader so invested with examples of the texting. I'm like, I felt like I was a voyeur um, and yeah. it's very intriguing the way you wrote it. I, I really, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I really hoped to create that effect when I wrote the book, you know, that, mm -hmm. that as a psychiatrist, I hear people's stories all day long as, as I'm sure you do too, yeah. in your, in your line of work. Yes. And it's something that I think we don't all appreciate of what, what do other people's text messages look like? What do these mm -hmm. secret conversations look like? And I wanted to make that um, more, more of a public domain really, and say, here are some of the trends that, that are going on that I'm hearing from people that I'm seeing in my friends that I'm experiencing myself, you know, yes. and, and wanting to, wanting to share that. Well, how, give us a little background of what enticed you to write the book. What was your impetus? Yeah. So you touched on it. I've been working in, in um, digital mental health for some time now. And mm -hmm. digital mental health is basically we devise tools to help deliver mental health care through telemedicine. But we also look at 
you know, different technical tools that we might use. And one of the things we were looking at is from somebody's text messages, can you identify things like, are they depressed or are Hmm. they suicidal? You know, is there signal in in a person's text message? It turns out there is actually, you know, and there are, there's important information that we can, we can glean from these messages. At the same time, as you mentioned, I was working at Facebook treating, Mm -hmm. you know, the inventors of the algorithm, the digerati, if you will, these are the folks that really understand the online world. Mm -hmm. And still in my sessions there, people would throw a smartphone screen at me and say, what does this guy mean by this text? How should I respond to this? Mm -hmm. And this was a, a preoccupation, a common preoccupation. And so it got me thinking that really Texting is a pretty new language. We really only started texting in 2007. Mm-hmm. And now it's become the predominant way in which we communicate, particularly in our love relationships, particularly in our romantic lives. And and our brains may be still struggling to catch up with this new mm-hmm. language. And so I wanted to really um, impart insight both from the behavioral science research that exists in this space, but also from people's experiences and my own experiences, because at the same time, my, my marriage, as I say in the book, my marriage fe- mm-hmm. fell apart right around the time that I took the job at Facebook. And so okay. I myself was on online dating, you know, experiencing this firsthand and applying some of the knowledge that I had to my interactions. Mm-hmm. And so it was sort of a collision of my, my professional and personal lives. And, and it felt like, it felt like sort of a fun idea, but also something that could really benefit people. Well, I think it's really interesting and I'll be on, I'll, I'm going to be like brutally honest with you that I, I don't even like texting. And I was just talking to a friend of mine who said the same thing. I mean, I, and I don't know, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. And so let's see, I'm 54 and I just can't imagine that being the way to start off a love relationship. But in the book, you're talking about that is what creates chemistry is texting. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and, you know, I think what's important is that everybody's style is different, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of what I get into in the book when I when mm-hmm. I talk about establishing chemistry and compatibility over text. And, you know, I talk about the love languages of text. And, mm-hmm. and so I think different people have different preferred ways to communicate. Some people aren't naturally texters. I guess I personally sort of love texting. So right. That's part of what drew <laughs> me to it. But like it or not, it's what we do. And yeah. if you're on a dating app, that's going to be your first interaction with a person. And think of it like a job interview. I mean, to get to the first date, you have to mm-hmm. text. And so like mm-hmm. it or not, I think it behooves us to learn this language. A hundred percent. Cause some people are so stilted in the way that they write and very formal and, you know, all the nuances need to come out when you're texting. Otherwise you're not going to attract people in. Yeah, that's right. It's, mm-hmm. it's partly about attracting people and it's also, it's also about, screening people you know do you really want to go out on a first date with somebody Mm -hmm. um if there's not a good reason to and you know some people will like to get on the phone before meeting meeting someone in person but but I argue that there's actually really salient information in the text messages oh 100 percent. and I'm I know I'm all over the place with I have I have like a thousand it was so hard for me to hone in on which questions to ask you Mimi but one of the things that really uh, really caught my attention was you talk about a slot machine analogy and the addictive nature of being online dating. And there's so many choices that it's kind of like overload and people just literally shut down, but that at the, on the other hand, they can't stop the swiping. And it's like the paradox of choice and it's the addiction. 
let's talk about that. Yeah, I think that um, the slot machine is really the apt analogy because mm-hmm. we get a bit of a dopamine rush when we swipe right and get a connection, a, a new match, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think um, for many people, getting a new message in their inbox can be a little bit of a dopamine rush. And there's mm-hmm. this feeling I think that dating apps create in the number in the raw numbers and volume of people that they expose you to of Mm -hmm. but wait there's more you know no matter what you've what you've matched with no matter who you're talking to you still feel like you have a hundred other people you know in 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 the palm of your hand that are available to chat with yes and and what i argue is that you know you're only going to get out what you put in Mm -hmm. so if you start to just get into this mode of of more is better Mm-hmm. and I'm looking for that rush, you may skirt over something more meaningful, more valuable that y- you'll be less likely to miss if you take your time and, and, and get into a deeper conversation, be that over text or otherwise with a person that you have matched with. Um, and I see this happening for you know, a, lot of, a lot of people where they're they're moving a bit too fast in order to be able to extract what's really important. So can you give an example of what that looks like? Sure. Um, you know, I think our brains are only sort of able, Helen Fisher talks about this in, mm-hmm. in, in her lectures, but our brains are only able to sort of process so much information. Mm-hmm. And probably once you've got about six or seven choices at your disposal, if you have more choice, your, your brain's going to kind of flood and go into mm-hmm. and, and shut down, you know, and, and I talk about this in the book. These studies have been done, whether it comes to picking a breakfast cereal, a, a flavor of jam at the grocery store um, or picking a partner, you know, that if you find yourself in the aisle with a hundred different cereal boxes, it gets much harder to pick the right cereal than if you just have six or seven choices and you can narrow it down to a few important things. And I think the same is true in our romantic lives that, you know, it's fun to have all this choice at your disposal with a dating app, but mm-hmm. if you've decided that there are a few key things that are important to you, mm-hmm. it might be better to hone in on, you know, a couple of prospects and sort of see whether, give those a chance to see whether you can extract or, you know, find what you need from those prospects rather than going for as much volume as you can, making your head spin and then not know, you know, whether you're coming or going. Yeah. And if you think about it back in the old days, you know, you lived in a town and there were five or six eligible people in your age range that you got to choose from as your life partner and you chose somebody and you were done, you know, and then all of a sudden, I mean, that's a exaggeration, but, and then the world opens up. Probably not an exaggeration. And I don't know that we want to go back to village life per se. Right. But, but I think we've, the pendulum has swung swung in the opposite direction. hundred percent. What's wonderful about that is we meet people on dating apps that are well outside of our social sphere, people we would Mm -hmm. never meet in in Mm -hmm. real life, so to speak, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so we're seeing a lot more um, Mm cross-cultural coupling. We're seeing coupling across classes. These are all wonderful things, you know, Mm -hmm. this kind of availability, but um, sort of the kinds of people that you may meet online aside, I think it's important to note that it, you're not going to effectively be able to have 50 different conversations and date, you know, 20 different people at once and keep it all straight. 
Exactly. And I mean, I love the way it's opened people up to be able to date across state lines internationally or whatnot. It's also really wonderful for the LGBTQ community because it's really hard to know who's who and also who's available. Um, So I love it for that reason, especially. Um, And now to talk about like the overload kind of feeling, I'll tell you that the people, when they hire me for online dating assistance, a lot of times, you know, attract, you know, very attractive people, they get online and they get so many messages that they shut down. I once had a woman like in tears call me and she was like, I know it's after hours, but you have to help me sort through all these people. I don't even know who to reach. I don't know who to respond to. And that's kind of the benefit of hiring a, a, a professional person to assist you with online dating. But that paradox of choice is such a good one. And I love, I thank you for putting that in your book. And then we touched on earlier for a moment about the love languages, which a lot of people are familiar with and how, let's talk about how you can determine someone's love language by the way that they're texting. I think that would be an interesting conversation to have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you're referencing Gary Chapman's work. Um, mm-hmm. he, you know, he wrote the this uh, perennially best-selling book about the five love languages and how we communicate. The notion behind it, of course, is that we all have a way that we like to give love and we have mm-hmm. a way that we like to receive love. They may not be the same way, but we have a way we like to give and a way we like to receive. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that people have um, similarly uh, a way that they like to communicate over text message. And that I tried to break it down into five patterns. I don't think it's something you're going to learn instantly, like on a dating app about, mm-hmm. about somebody. I think it's something that takes a little longer that, that, that particular notion is something I explore in the second half, the second third of the book. So the book's broken down into the first part, which is swiping, you know, how to kind of figure out who you're talking to online. Mm-hmm. The second part is syncing, how to establish your relationship over text. And then the third part is looking back at your, um, at your text messages more to review shifts that may have happened in your relationship, or perhaps to analyze a, a relationship that's gone sour. After mm-hmm. the fact, but you know, in this notion, in this in the second part where you're talking about connecting with somebody, I think learning their text love language is a key factor because you don't want to be pestering somebody endlessly if they're not somebody that likes to receive a lot of text during the day. And so I, I yes. break it down into um, into um, you know compliments over text, which mirror Gary Chapman's words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. And then um, this idea of banter, I call it riffing, and, but that's the sort of funny back and forth that you can do with somebody over text when you don't really have any anything to talk about specifically. And that's yes. more of the equivalent to quality time. And then there's the notion of spoon feeding where you're giving somebody updates about yourself throughout the day. Right. Um, or there's the nudging, which is checking in with them about how their day is going throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, finally, there's um, yeah, what I call nooking, which is, you know, everything from sweet nothings to sexting, full on sexting. But people mm-hmm. have different ways they like to communicate. And I think if you're, you know, my personal love language is, is riffing, I would say I love to have the banter. Mm-hmm. But if you're chatting with somebody who doesn't like to text, that's not going to go over well. And right. um, the updates throughout the day, the, those are, they can be reassuring, but if you have a busy job, they can also be annoying too. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think you want to know what your partner is up for when it comes to that too much, too little, just try to get it right for them. 
Mm -hmm. And have those conversations when you first start dating or maybe after five dates or so. Or pay attention to Mm -hmm. what their style is and, you know, how they respond. Are they slow to respond? Are they fast to respond? Um, That'll give you some clues too. Yeah. And don't take it personally if they're slow to respond and get defensive. That's what I love. You gave so many good examples of how to avoid getting defensive by texting and how to also, you mentioned that before you send something, pause and maybe even have somebody else read it if you're concerned about, you know, how how it could be misconstrued in some way. And also having any kind of altercation. I'm like not a fan. I always say if, if you're going to have any kind of disagreement, pick up the phone. Yeah. But according to your book, I mean, you could also do it by texting. And I was like, whoo, that's a that's a thing. Um yeah. Yeah, well, I think an, an overriding principle there might be to be curious, you know, don't assume mm-hmm. you know what the other person's thinking, um, mm-hmm. ask questions, be curious, stay open minded. And if you're trying to resolve conflict, t- take your time with it, you know, mm-hmm. think about how you're, you're crafting the note, asynchronous communication, texting, because it's asynchronous, allows us to reflect and compose our thoughts before we send it off. And so if you're going to get into a, a disagreement over text, use that pause feature of texting that's available where you can think through, is this really what I want to say? How is this going to come across when the other person reads it in their head? Yeah. And, and you said that you can really tell a lot about someone in about 20 text messages. Um, Would you say that's with the online dating or in sort of the middle part of the relationship and, and what should people be looking for? And yeah. Yeah, no, I meant that mm-hmm. kind of early on, like okay. more, more sort of as you're trying to decide, is this person worth meeting, you know, or it, okay. is there any there there for me? Um, and what yeah. are some ways that you can better get to know somebody quickly online to determine yeah. if they're worthy of meeting yeah. someone or not? Well, you, you asked just a minute ago, you said, what should people be looking for? And yeah. that, that may be um, something I would question because I don't think everybody's looking for the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think- what you're looking for is different than what you should be looking for in the text. So the the first thing is to sort of figure out, yes, what are you looking for? What kind of person, what kind of relationship are you looking for? And then um, what I would say in those first 20 texts is use those texts as an opportunity to really um, flesh out who who is this person um, Mm -hmm. that I'm chatting with. And you're not going to do that by having stilted, um, boring, conversation how was your day that's not going to give you a lot of how was your weekend which Mm -hmm. is how so many people open online text messages that's Mm -hmm. not going to necessarily get you where you want to go you know that I think you have to ask deeper questions not maybe first question but you have to start having a more playful or a deeper conversation in those first 20 texts to reveal some truth about the person and so I give people techniques in the book on how to do that it's I loved it so much and especially like throwing in something that you wouldn't necessarily expect to hear like some kind of strange question yeah Um, throw some curveballs set the the curveball people a little bit off balance get them off script if you will yeah yeah exactly doing an interview if you were interviewing me here and just not giving me any challenging questions we wouldn't really get at anything you know and Mm -hmm. so you want to you want to challenge people a little to sort of get at what are they really thinking yeah Perfect. And then let's talk about red flags with texting. And if you can tell somebody's a narcissist or a liar or someone who's neurotic and right. let's talk about that. Yeah. And, you know, again, my red flag might not necessarily be your red flag. I think mm-hmm. we all have different, different tolerance, but I would say that, you know, there are a few features that 
are to be avoided. <laughs> Lying. I don't think any of us really want to be with a liar, you know? Exactly. So, um, so I give people tools to spot liars. I mean, these are, these are, you know, techniques that are used by the FBI, but they're, mm -hmm. um, they're, if somebody, it's worth saying that somebody really wants to lie and they're really good at it, 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 it is not that hard to, to fool even, even, ex, even people who have taken expert lie detector um, courses. Mm -hmm. Generally speaking, uh, things I, I, tips I give people in the book are if somebody's dropping the first person pronoun, um, that can be a sign of lying. They're trying to emotionally distance themselves from the statement. And so by, um, by dropping the I in the mm -hmm. statement, it, it can, um, it can make a lie feel mm, less personal somehow. And so that's one thing to look for. I think statements like, to be honest with you, candidly, uh, uh, I'm not going to lie. People mm -hmm. tend to use those a little bit when they, when they are lying. They also will provide either too much detail or the text will be devoid of detail. So looking for the sort of right detail content, I think is, is important there. Um, so lying, I think is one thing to think about spotting. The other thing I talk about is, um, this notion of instimacy. That's mm -hmm. like too much, in, in, too much intimacy too fast and, you know, over promising, um, too much, uh, revealing, getting into conversations that would be normally saved for the third, fourth, fifth date already mm -hmm. happening straight away before you've met them that can be an indication of um, a less secure attachment style. And so I would say that could be a bit of a red flag. Someone calling you dear, that kind of thing. Oh, I hate it when, when I see that yeah. early on. A presumption of, in, of intimacy. That exactly. Isn't, isn't there yet. Um, mm -hmm. Or heart emojis, that kind of thing. When it's like, you've barely spoken back and forth. It's I think too much too soon. It, that too gives me pause for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, and, and I think that, the difficult thing is if you really, really want to have a romantic relationship in your life, for some people mm -hmm. that's appealing, right? Oh, mm -hmm. he's, he's all in, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, and so I think you have to balance that desire for intimacy with um, being a little bit concerned about, again, what I call instimacy. Yes. And then you even said something about um, how narcissists use a lot of exclamation points and all capital letters and that type of thing, which I a hundred percent can relate to. Right. Yes. Good example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, <laughs> um, that is a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a sense of self-importance there, right. That mm -hmm. uh, a pay attention to me quality, right. Yes, yeah. exactly. Using humor to put you down, you know, what's referred to yes. as negging. I think that is not a good sign early on, you know, that humor, I would say is a great, a sense of humor is a great trait in a, in a partner. Mm -hmm. um, but that humor should be self-enhancing humor or affiliative humor. So humor that's used to, to, to laugh together or to make the best of a bad situation, not to, not to like poke at you or put you down early on that that's not going to play out well. Same mm -hmm. with controlling behavior. If you see controlling behavior early on, that's probably only gonna get worse. Well, it's interesting you say that because I was on with one of my clients the other day and we were looking at somebody that liked her and he sent her a little message. And so we looked at his profile and then we said, let's get back to him. And we started looking at some other men and then he um, sent her a, a message and he said, oh, you're just going to look at me. You're not going to respond. And then he said something else. What? Is there something wrong with your phone? 
And so I immediately blocked him. I said, this is a, anyone that sort of attacks you in this way is not somebody that you ever want to be in a relationship. Right. He just like showed himself and yes. thank you for showing up and block. Right. But, you know, he was doing exactly what you were just talking about. Yeah. 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 This comes from probably a sense of, I mean, one of the things I say in the book is it, it probably comes from a sense of insecurity that these people mm-hmm. are you know, feeling out at sea in the process. And so what do they do? They're trying to control and batten down all the hatches. But, you know, the problem is you're not a boat. Um, so exactly. <laughs> don't, don't, don't put up with that kind of behavior early on. Yeah, exactly. So here's a question. Say somebody goes out on two dates, three dates with someone, and it's just not working out. What do you think the best way is to break up with someone by text? Yeah. Um, and I think whether you do this over text or over over the phone mm-hmm. really depends on what kind of interactions you've had with them up to that point, right? Have you been intimate? Have mm-hmm. is, is there how 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 much time has been spent? And mm-hmm. I think if if it feels like there was really a lot in it for one person, then it's probably worth picking up the phone in that situation. But I think in more, more cases, uh, you haven't really fully committed to it at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And and, um, and there's just a sense that mm, this isn't really, this wasn't ever really right. And, mm-hmm. um, and then I think the nice thing to do is to just respectfully say, you know, I don't, um, I, 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 either if you want to stay friends, say that. If you don't want to stay friends, just say, wish you the best, you know, but, mm-hmm. but I think just to respectfully send a note letting the other person know that um, um, they shouldn't be paying attention to you. Now, if it's just naturally falling off and neither person is particularly texting, then there's no need to say anything at all. You know, if there's just a mutual sense that, well, this probably isn't really going anywhere, there's no need to make somebody feel bad by sending a note like that. I think the only reason to send a note like that, if, the, if there's a mismatch in understanding about what's, where things are going. Yeah, that makes sense. Um... I was just thinking about a date that I sent out years ago and she, the, the woman called me up and she said, Oh, he, we went out one time and he sent me a message and said, I don't, I just don't think we're a love match, this, that, and the other. And she was like, well, I didn't think we were either, yeah, but I wasn't going to talk about it, but he right. wanted to like clean it up yeah, and tie a big red bow on it. It doesn't feel good to get mm-hmm. a message like that, even if mm-hmm. you weren't interested. Right. No, mm-hmm. I think the only reason to send something it's not a breakup. Like, you know, in those instances, you're not breaking up, but I think if you've been, you know, intimate and there is Mm -hmm. some expectation that things are moving forward, Mm -hmm. then, um, you know, if you must do it by text, do it kindly. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Um, one last question I had for you, um, out of all the personality tests, you're a big fan of the big five personality tests. Can you describe this and how, once you figure out who you are, how, how it can predict your romantic life. Yeah. Um, well, the reason I like the big five is because it, it tends to be a stable measure of personality over time. So mm-hmm. it's um, unlike some other personality tests that you might find online, they're less validated or might shift more over the course of the lifetime. The big five is tends to be validated at least in, 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 you know, educated um populations and mm-hmm. um of course these things differ cross-culturally and so forth but i mean i think mm-hmm. for the american population it's a good um it's a good test and it um 
it tends to be stable over time. If people aren't familiar with it, the acronym I used to remember the big five personality traits is OCEAN. So mm-hmm. O stands for openness to experience. How, how open are you? Um, you know, how sort of fluid are you thinking about construct? Fluidly are you thinking about constructs? And then the second um, is conscientiousness. You know, is, is that a big part of your personality is following through on what you say you're going to do? And then E is for extroversion versus introversion. So do you get your energy from spending time with people or do you recharge from being alone? And then A is agreeableness. You know, are are you a go with the flow kind of person or do you tend to sort of have your own opinion and set your own boundaries? And then the last one N is for neuroticism. And, you know, I think most of us know what neuroticism means, but it's, if you're neurotic, you tend to get more anxious or a little bit um, high strung about, um, emotionally ridden situations and um, a, a less neurotic person will be more easygoing in that situation or less sensitive, let's say, to their environment. Of course, all these personality traits have pros and cons either way. And there's no one good personality or one bad personality or one to right. avoid. I do present in the book some research on, you know, who of these um, personalities make for better long-term partners um, Mm -hmm. if you're looking for a long-term monogamous relationship. And not surprisingly, the agreeable and conscientious folks tend to do better in in longer-term monogamous relationships, whereas those who are extroverted and very open to experience um, all good traits, but, you know, they may need a little bit more excitement um, in their lives. And so um, I think, you know, you want to think about who you are what you're looking for. And then I do give people ways to sort of see in your text messages who you might be chatting with. So um, signs of extroversion, signs of openness. Um, This comes down to word choice, grammar use, emoji use. It's amazing what some of the details about Mm -hmm. our, our communication styles reveal about us, but, you know, not surprisingly language is a window into our brains. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, through these text bubbles, I think we can peer into people's psyches. Absolutely. And the, the book is brilliant. Everybody, please go go buy this book. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It's really a game changer um, in, for me um, and the way I look at things now. I'm really, my I feel like my brain just kind of exploded when I read it. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy life and, you know, everything that you're doing right now to help people to, to be able to take people to this next level. Oh, um, so much. Yeah. You know. the, book, the book is called speaking in thumbs. A psychiatrist mm-hmm. decodes your relationship text. And so you can, you can find it, um, you know, anywhere books are sold online and bookstores. Um, and I welcome people's feedback about it. It's all, I, I love, you know, learning new things myself. Um, part of the reason I wrote the book was to learn. And so, um, so I would definitely welcome people's feedback about what they agree with or what they disagree with in the book. Good. I'll put that in the show notes. And then we can find you at Twitter at M Winsberg, Instagram at text.whisperer. And her right. website is Dr. Winsberg, W-I-N-S-Berg, B-E-R-G.com. Um, do you have a favorite charity? I like to always include that in the show notes as well. Oh, good question. Um, you know, I, I definitely, anything that that supports mental health is, is, is a favorite of mine. Most of the work that I do, I wrote this book as a side project, but most of the work that I do is involved in um, making mental health care accessible and affordable and in a quality way. 
So mm-hmm. at Brightside, we're, we're treating depression in all 50 states now, depression, anxiety, other more severe mental illness. And we're trying to make appointments available um, fast and easily for people. So you can get an appointment within 48 hours if you sign up on the Brightside website. And so I'm a big supporter of any, any charity that um, is you know, helping to, um, to um, further the cause of, of dealing with mental health issues. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mimi. It was really, really a pleasure to have you. So nice to meet you. Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. You can follow the podcast on any podcast app to be notified when our next episode comes out. Also, if you've loved this episode, I'd appreciate it if you could leave us a review or even share it with a friend that might benefit from what we talked about today. To learn more about me and how our team helps singles across the Carolinas and beyond find love, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. You can find a link to our site in the show notes. Until next time.